So here we go then. It's a jam-packed episode of the inside or probably the outside line F1 podcast <laughs> and pits to podium. And on this Austrian GP review, there's honestly so much to talk about. And so today we will discuss, well, what about the penalties? Were they a bit too harsh? Was FIA on a few certain substances or whatnot? More on that. Later, we discuss more about McLaren and Lando Norris's race and wonder, could they have had more or did they end up overachieving this weekend? Of course, more on the midfield, all the crazy battles over there, the star performers and the big losers. Of course, we have to discuss about how good the on-track battles were in Austria. And finally, we speak about the Instagram questions and the ton of them that you have asked here today. So let's begin. Let's get down into it on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits the Podium. So there, folks, I think the 2021 Austrian GP was, quite frankly, an orange. Now, I know you might be wondering what this is all about, and that's partially got to do with, lot, with the thousands of fans right there sitting in the stands with orange T-shirts. But think about it. This race was limey. This race was, I think, sweet at times. This was fresh. Uh, cars were going round and round, of course. That's one thing. And we also saw great seats for the future. Uh, this this really was probably the most interesting talking point filled race of the entire GP, full of pulp as, as an orange would in that case. And quite frankly, at times it felt a bit like a mimosa. And that's the only thing you could ask for in a case like this one. <laughs> My name is Somal Arora. You might know me from the Driving Force on Hotstar. And Kunal, of course, was the ex, uh, not the ex marketing head, the former marketing head of the Force <laughs> India Formula One team. He's right here with me. Did this really did feel like a mimosa, Kunal? Uh, we could just. All, the only thing we want right now is more of it because this was just from start to finish tremendous. Yeah, Samil, five-second time penalty for you because we didn't have enough of that in today's race. So five-second, <laughs> no talking for you. <laughs> it was it was crazy. You broke my lips. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it all started also with the F1 app being hacked. The messages we all got, foo, you know, I think the person was trying to say football only to realize that millions of fans would be upset and pissed off for choosing a sport that needs one ball to play. But, you know, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Do you? I, I, I'm wondering if it was Bernie Eccleston who hacked or who got somebody to hack it just to say, hey, I'm still around, you know, uh, or something. Or, or maybe not because... It was an app and Bernie maybe doesn't know what an app is. Maybe. Again, guys, I'm joking. But, you know, to further that thought, uh, Bernie might think an app is not important because youngsters who can't afford Rolexes actually end up using apps. So, yeah, I'm, I think I've Bravo. gone off. <laughs> Bravo. Bernie. I've just gone off on an, you know, on a different <laughs> tangent, but. I just feel like Max Verstappen. There is just so much time and there's so much to talk about that I have a free pit stop and I have free airtime to speak whatever it is that I want to speak about. And still, we'll deliver a cracker of an episode like always, Samuel. There's just so much to talk about today. And so let's not waste any more time with it. First thing I had to address on the podcast here today, and this may not be completely in relation to the race, but it really has to be spoken about, 135,000 orange I mean, orange t-shirt wearing people. I can't say orange people. That would be very racist and I don't support that. But basically, they were right there in their jerseys with their flares, everything on there. That was amazing to watch. And this support, I can only wonder what's going to happen at Zandvoort, Kunal, because this just seemed like a flood completely. It was. And I, I think my favorite way to describe 
the 100,000 fans or that we've seen over the Grand Prix weekend was what Pablo Alizade tweeted. He said, I didn't know that to be, uh, you know, immune from the COVID-19 virus, all you needed to, to be was be a Max Verstappen fan and turn up to watch the Austrian Grand Prix. I mean, frankly, it was, it's great to see the fans back. And I really hope that this was a safe event in all truth mm. that was the first thing i couldn't see anyone wearing masks so i i'm sure the the local organizers and formula one and the fi did their bit to ensure everything it was great to see them but i just really hope it was safe for everyone because guys you know we reacted very violently when the kumbh mela happened in india i'm sure yeah. you guys all read about it i'm reacting the same way I, i hope it was safe enough that's that's all i have to say i know there are fans again uh, at the british grand prix again somal you know but There you go. Uh, the only similarity here that the Kumbhmela also saw a great surge of orange. Now, I don't know if any particular political party might end up getting great votes with that color here in Austria, but hey, that, that's for them to find out. But a word more about the racing here today. And, and before we get down to analyzing the penalties and asking most of the Instagram questions that are very related to this topic, the one thing we have to discuss here, how refreshing was it, Kunal, to see a race largely... decided by on track racing in many perspectives this i think was such a refresher because normally we end up looking at strategy oh there's this there's that there was this but so many tremendous on track battles here today there were and you know somil i think what helped was that even though the rain didn't come again for the second weekend in succession at uh, the red bull ring the cooler temperatures and pirelli's a you know pirelli softer compound they were a step softer as we all know really mixed it up i mean we saw that you know teams mm-hmm. were trying to do in the top 10 there were three different qualifying uh, sorry three different tire strategies at play there were you know the alpha tauris and aston martins tried the soft tire everyone else went for the medium and then of course uh, the hard tire was not something that the top 10 started on but guys uh, who got promoted in the top 10 because of the fatal penalty ended up being on mm-hmm. the hard tire and uh, carlos sainz for example right uh, you know but uh, you know I, i think at the end of the day it was it, it was a mix of uh, lots of factors that sort of brought us such an exciting race uh, and after a point i was just like wow i can't track Uh, the changes that are happening because like for example there was yeah. Gasly, Ricardo, Perez, Leclerc just all fighting there was Lando Norris with the Mercedeses and you know up ahead of all of this was Max Verstappen who was probably driving <laughs> a different race altogether Samuel he was probably racing uh, uh, you know at the British Grand Prix already he was completely <laughs> on a different level and a different planet He was. And here's something I'm going to credit to an Instagram meme page. I, I don't remember which one, but I saw this earlier this evening, which said that if Lewis Hamilton is the GOAT, which means the greatest of all time, but, but you know, the GOAT, then Max Verstappen might well just be the shepherd. And, and that <laughs> is a very shrewd analogy right there. So uh, just a moment before we speak about the penalties, because of course, Verstappen won, we have to give him airtime. Formula One didn't today. That's a different matter, but at least we've got to. Uh, This right here was a superb performance, strategically all the way through. Never in doubt, even for a single lap, that Verstappen would lose the race. And here it was, the shepherd got, a, got his, I think, his first Grand Slam in his career. 
he did you know it came a few a few weeks longer than after his first meeting with serena to be honest you know the monaco country <laughs> ah. was uh, was not was was you know at the end of may and we are in the, at the start of july so he got his first career grand slam he you know i think he had a fairly fairly boring race he had a free pit stop he took that he slammed in the fastest lap of the race that was a second and a half quicker i've got my data in here and he you know i think this is what you know max verstappen has been wanting all along he says i want to be dominating formula 1 and that's what he's been doing and you know it this was red bull and honda's fourth consecutive win again you know max led has led every single lap in both the races at the red bull ring wow and driver number 33 is 32 points ahead of lewis hamilton and somel that's in in grand prix terms that's a full grand prix win ahead of lewis hamilton already in the ninth race of the season and just before the start of the triple header you know uh, after baku it was fairly close and just imagine what's happened in three <laughs> races back to back when they say that the best of the best control their own luck it, it, they really mean it right when when you consider what could have happened at baku if things would have been closer i mean this this could potentially have been the pivotal moment in the championship but when you've got someone like max verstappen who's in the form of his life even in tennis like that team irrelevant now i mean think of it verstappen star blow in baku will you remember it two races later probably you will but will it have the same impact no because he's leading by so much that is just tremendous but here we have to speak about something special here we have to speak about all the chaos and the drama today and yes on screen you can see eminem volunteers to teach how to go round the outside with with more of the penalties as well but his teammate kunal that's where the problem began and there's a ton of instagram questions of course we usually end up doing this later on in the race but we have to do it early on because there's a lot of them with a similar narrative Firstly, one by Siddharth Shah. Your thoughts on the penalties? Seb's penalty in quali, Lando and Checo's penalties during the race. I think let's focus on Lando and Checo first, and let's focus on those two incidents. Really, what was your thought, Kunal? Because around the outside, turn number three, someone similar did that in Red Bull Racing car last year. He's not around this year. <laughs> I hope that's not a you know any sort of an omen for you know Checo Perez. But Just first wondering. things first, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first things first uh, i was you know listening in on commentary and they said maybe checo should have waited maybe he was too aggressive but guys that's mm. why he's a racing car driver he saw he saw an opening he went for it he knew he was on the outside and he knew the risks he was taking he knew what he was going in for and you know personally i think formula 1 is over regulated right yeah. uh I think that if there wasn't a gravel trap and maybe there was tarmac the FIA would have reacted a little differently <laughs> could be uh, I think what happened this weekend was that the FIA got sucked in with the Norris penalty at, at the start and then they realized that yeah. oh my god suddenly everyone's talking about us being inconsistent so what do we do let's just give time penalties to everyone and that's I think that's what they ended up doing so Checo Perez did the same thing on Leclerc so they had to give him a penalty then he did the same thing on the other side two corners later so they said there you go you take another penalty yeah. because they were just penalty happy so in my view uh yes inconsistency is what everyone is complaining against and you know at the end of the day maybe had this happened at turn 
Checo wouldn't have, sorry, Lando wouldn't have been penalized, you know, because, mm. hey, we had something like that with Verstappen and Charles Leclerc some, some sure. years ago as well. So I hope they get more consistent in the application of these penalties. And if not, just try and put, try and put gravel everywhere you can. And then you'll suddenly <laughs> see drivers being within their limits as well. So I, I think it was a hard move by Checo. I think it was very hard defense by Lando and I'm loving this side of his, you know, he's, mm. he's fun without his helmet, but once he puts it on, he's a mean driver as he should be so, right? So yeah, yeah a bit unfortunate with the penalties, Samuel, and that's my view. And I know you do a lot of commentary. I know you do, you, you commentate like 20 hours a week, <laughs> right? And you've seen yeah. several such incidents across classes and categories what is your view how would you see this as a commentator it's a double-edged sword to be honest now on one side you're always thinking about the show and i and i love the point that you mentioned about formula one being over-regulated you want to see drivers go side by side uh, uh, all of the esports community basically came out on twitter today and said this is this is unfair man you, you can't do that you've got to let them go side by side and as you mentioned it could very well be over-regulated but there's also this thing right drivers should be a little bit more shrewd in terms of making their moves. Now, in the case of Sergio Perez, you have to wonder, and my dad was asking the same thing, did he really have to go to the, uh, to the outside line at that particular case? I think yes, because Verstappen did this cheeky trick by slowing everyone down at the line to make sure that Sergio Perez could be bunched up and could pass Lando Norris. Couldn't do it in turn one, couldn't do it in turn two. He had to do it at turn number three, right? It, it, he could have waited it out, but it wasn't worth it at that case. So he said, fine, let me go for it, as any racing driver should at that case. Of course, we all know what happened right next. But seriously, it, it makes you wonder, was Sergio Perez smart with the move? I think he was. But, but you can't go into micro things, right? Oh, was he one nose ahead? Was he one inch ahead? At the end of the day, it all fades away. You just have to realize that the limit is right there. The gravel is right there. If anything, I was slightly happy in a way that the penalties were consistent all throughout. Uh, I mean, once once Lando got the penalty, so everyone else later on got the penalty as well. And, and that means basically Sergio Perez only, but still, that sort of made me wonder that, okay, at least the race control is clear with it. Now, that's a different story if we have to wonder, if is it good for the show? Is it sort of incentivizing drivers to make moves around the outside, which ideally any racing series should, right? But, but that's a secondary matter. In terms of today, I was partially happy, but in the bigger picture, no, I, I, I think they should be, should be allowed to race. Again, both the drivers, both Lando and Sergio, in many in both cases, could have left more space, uh, especially in that first Charles Leclerc penalty. Uh, Perez could have been more towards the right hand side, and again, Leclerc lost control of his car. It's all a bit of a kerfuffle, as I say. This it just will come up as a mess. But basically, just let them race is what I mean to say. Yeah, there's no point. That's so well said. And Samuel, you know what really stands out for me is turn number four at yes. the Red Bull ring. It is something, it's a, it seems very simple on camera, right? I've driven it on the simulator. And it, yeah. after you turn, it, it turns in further. And we've seen this it happen does. to Hamilton and Albin last year. We saw it happen to several drivers this year. And the fact is that the, it's, it's not as easy to make a pass on the outside of that corner, nor yeah. is it easy to make the pass on the inside of that corner as well. And these are the 20 best drivers that well, not 20, maybe 18 or 17 best drivers in the world that, you know, that that, are, that went racing this, this weekend, right? But that said, you know, consistent application of penalties is, of course, what we are all hoping for. But, uh, you know, in, in, in my view, like you said, you know, we shouldn't, we, we, we should incentivize, not incentivize, but we should make mm. sure that uh, 
drivers are as comfortable taking the outside line as yeah. much as they are comfortable with taking the inside line and of course both approaches come with their you know uh, sets of risks and rewards and so on and uh, it's just that you know we are so used to seeing the inside line on a heavy braking zone mm-hmm. drs enabled move and so on right that suddenly when something goes on the outside it's it seems a little little more bolder little more uh, a little more aggressive right and hmm. maybe that makes me think we should change the name of the podcast to the outside line f1 outside podcast outside line f1 podcast <laughs> exactly <laughs> no really uh, uh, to be to be very honest just a second to elaborate on this i loved it when all the drivers went into the gravel seriously i deep down felt good no need to go for the tarmac no need for any of that nonsense Absolutely. good to see them in the gravel that okay you might wonder well he's my favorite driver was it a fair move was it not a fair move later but track limits were imposed clearly that's one thing we've got lost seriously yeah absolutely yeah and speaking of which there's also another thing i wanted to know your opinion on and there's also not just me but side the fief who's asking the same question uh, why were the stewards so strict today i think we've partially answered that but, but do you really think they were strict on on the whole i i think so and i think for example with the lando norris uh, checo perez uh, one a little mm. little more surprise because you know they've said they're a little more lenient when it comes to you know the opening lap of the race right of course that mm. was the opening lap after the restart of the race so that got caught me a little by surprise as well but maybe the fia said you know what travers having a lot of fun let's get involved and they just got involved <laughs> because the last time red bull racing had a lot of fun you know including max's uh, you know burnout that he did they got involved as well so uh, <laughs> there's a rule book and there's 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 a police uh, policing team that governs uh, the rule book and they just said let's let's do this so it was too many penalties it happened in formula 3 as well then you know after the race in formula 1 11 drivers were summoned Mazepin and Latifi at the back of the grid got penalties. Raikkonen got a you know penalty and so on. So, well, FI was like the twenty-first driver participating in the twenty twenty-one <laughs> Austrian Grand Prix. Let's not forget. Uh, I I know we all love Yuki Tsunoda, and we are going to come to Alpha Tauri in a few minutes, very very quickly. But come on, twice making the same error of of hitting the white line, the pit lane, or not properly crossing it right there. there was that and and there's also another final uh, i mean two final questions but that pretty much tie on the same thing there's a good friend of mine rahul who's asked the question what just happened i wish we knew <laughs> i wish we knew what happened this is just pandemonium in a very positive sense and finally one by manav can't quite quote it completely but but the essence of it is is the fia on some substances i think that's a bit of a bit of a harsh analysis on that would it be yeah i think they they here to do a job they are the ones who keep the sport safe mm. they are the ones who keep the sport fair so you know again it's 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 a tough job it's one of the toughest jobs in the world you got yeah. the biggest brands in automotive space competing you got the best drivers in the world competing and then suddenly you're just there uh, you know reading out the rule book each time uh, with the risk of being unpopular at a lot of times you know very rarely have we do we go like yeah oh, that was actually a very very fair very popular assessment by the fi so <laughs> it's time to cut them some slack even though i've been the one who's giving them the most of it on on this episode yeah and finally one awesome question by our colleague clayton who is just tremendous on social media follows on pitch to podium for more of his work 
a little dangerous driving by Perez shoving off Leclerc, reminded me of his encounters with Ocon at Racing Point. Now, this is a very good observation. And and we haven't seen this for the last couple of years, but Sergio Perez genuinely had a reputation of being one of the most feisty defenders. And we saw that on show today. You know, frankly, uh, I... I... I, I have a very different assessment of Checo Perez, right? Uh-huh. Uh, he saw what happened to him with Lando Norris. I don't mm-hmm. know if Red Bull radioed him immediately to tell him that Lando has got a penalty, right? Which meant that if he didn't know that Lando had a penalty, he thought maybe it's okay to do what uh, you know Lando did to me. So he did that to Checo. And then of course he got, sorry, he did that to Charles and then he got a penalty, right? So that was that, you know, but... I, I also liked Checo's character post-race because he was there on Via Sport and then he, of course, made a public statement as well. He said, I'm really sorry to Charles because this is not how I generally like to do my racing. I am more fair than this or something to, to that effect, right? So it was probably just an off race and he, you know, after he lost out that with Lando when he probably thought, hey, I'm going to bring a one-two at home for Red Bull Racing, it was something that just you know, switched, switched another zone or, or, you know, maybe switched a filter off the, the typical, uh, you know, Checo Perez that we know. Exactly. That was so much fun to watch. And, and speaking of Checo Perez, speaking of Landon Norris, let's speak about McLaren for a second. And, and there's really so much to talk about McLaren, but we'll try to condense it because there are other things to speak about as well. I'm very curious, Kunal, how have McLaren punched up so much above their weight today? And this weekend on the whole, with Lando qualifying in second place, getting that podium in third as well. I'm wondering, it it could have been more had it not been for that five-second penalty, you know? It could, and Lando was absolutely convinced post-race that they could have gotten P2, right? Mm. And uh, I think it's phenomenal to see him do what he's doing at McLaren because everyone thought, hey, this is what you know Daniel Ricciardo would do. But this is exactly why they made the switch to the Mercedes engine to make the most of their package, which is great. And, you know, McLaren brought, uh, they, they said they brought some upgrades and they made a step forward this weekend. And I think they made a mighty step forward because... Mm. In qualifying, you know, we all knew that, hey, there will be a you know, couple of tenths of a gap between Max and the Mercedes cars. But we never imagined that Lando Norris would, you know, snuck in within that gap between the Mercedes cars and, and you know, and Max Verstappen. And that's, of course, also what Checo Perez did as well. So I think overall, Lando Norris is right in being disappointed with P2 because they were on the same pace as the Mercedes cars, if not quicker. And hmm. what we've seen normally is if you're on the same pace and you have track position, maybe you will finish ahead. And that's what we were, you know, that's what he was probably alluding to. And we saw that, you know, when Lando was chasing Valtteri, he of course couldn't make as many inroads as, you know, one thought he would. So it was just a question of maybe if the penalty wasn't put in place, maybe Lando would have just just stayed ahead all race and, and finished ahead of the works Mercedes team. With that same engine as well. And, and also speaking of the upgrades, Daniel Ricciardo doing a superb job finishing in seventh. I know we've been we've been really getting on his act lately, but today he was phenomenal. Just had the confidence on his tires early on, splitting the strategy, going very well, Daniel Ricciardo. That was superb by him. But it's got me wondering, Kunal, this was, of course, just the start of it. If the McLaren upgrades are really that good, 
can we see them punching right there with Mercedes? Because honestly, today, I think the only fault that they, they somewhat had in relation to Mercedes, at least it seemed like on the radio, was the fact that they were wearing up their tyres slightly worse than Mercedes in that sense. But it was so good to see the relative pace always there or only a tenth or ten and a half away all the time. You know, yes. And, you know, they are bringing big upgrades to Silverstone. At least that's what uh, I, I heard. Uh, I, it was probably Andrea Seidel again who said that. So it's their home race as well, uh, much as it would be Mercedes's home race. And, you know, if if McLaren are able to challenge Mercedes, I think it's going to be fantastic. And this is probably why Mercedes is always so... Uh, you know, aware before giving engines to a customer team because, hey, mm. you have a customer team that's actually matching the works team. And this is exactly why they refuse to give engines to Red Bull because imagine what Red Bull would have done with the Mercedes engines then. And now the Honda engines are just as good, if not any better. <laughs> we just have to read the story of 2010 where Martin Whitmarsh... Uh, got the absolute bollocking of his life from Ron Dennis when he gave the Mercedes engines sort of as a grace in a way to Braun GP, right? Back in the day. And they ended up winning the championship. The stories of Ron Dennis being furious are just mind-blowing to say the least. But there's that. But uh, we've got to wonder, Kunal, this pass that we saw Landon Norris making a Lewis Hamilton, uh, many on Twitter coming up and saying that this could be symbolic in a way, a changing of the guards of the British drivers in Formula One. Who knows? That That's maybe a bit too further off. But Mercedes is a topic that we have to speak about. Hamilton with the curbs having a bit of an issue. Really, what, what just happened this weekend for them? Yeah, he, his engine, his his Mercedes wasn't able to curb its enthusiasm, Samuel. That's, that's <laughs> the... That's what you've been warning all along, that the curbs at the Red Bull ring are the ones to watch out for. And, you know, frankly speaking, uh, what uh, Toto Wolf said was not it wasn't Lewis riding the curbs, actually. It was life cycle damage that happened to his body work. And they said it mm-hmm. cost Lewis almost half a second of lap time. And of course, Lewis turned around and said, hey, it cost me a full second of lap time, right? And the truth mm-hmm. being that Hamilton is probably in the worst phase of his career in the hybrid turbo era. So he is, of course, as we said, he's 32 points of Max Verstappen, right? And even though he, of course, announced a, a contract extension with, with Mercedes, he didn't really have the result that he would have wanted to celebrate such an announcement, you know? And to give you an example, he has been off the podium for four times in six races. And that Yikes. is not typical Lewis Hamilton, as we all know that. he He's generally somebody, even on bad days, is able to get onto the podium. So he was fourth, which is, of course, not bad. But still, just telling how how much he's going to have to work harder to, you know, clay, you know, first to eat into the gap that Max has and then try and pull away his own bit as well. Wow. I think today Mercedes just got drowned under the, the flood of orange. But but your thoughts on Bottas before we end up speaking about so many things in the midfield. There's so much of that. You know, I think Bottas was uh, a, a slightly quicker than Lewis. And that's probably why, you know, Mercedes first asked him to hold station. And then Hamilton's uh, issues just uh, didn't really end up uh, letting him sort of uh, keep ahead. And as for Botas, I think great result. He was he was there to pick up the pieces when Lewis sort of couldn't take them. 
And for the first time this season, he actually ended second on the podium because if he's been on the podium, he's only been third, right? Mm. And he, he was second. I think he, he, drove, he drove a good race to finish second, I would say. Uh, Checo Perez still is ahead of him in the Drivers' Championship in third. And Sommel, if paddock rumors are anything to go by, and not that I'm fueling them, but mm. could Mercedes announce an all-British driver lineup in front of the British, British fans at Silverstone, which is a fortnight away. It'll be, it'll be a bit of a nationalistic affair at that point. Everyone will have a good time. Of course, that'll be after Wimbledon's done as well. And there's a good chance that we might have a British winner on the women's side, women's side as well. Who knows? It, it, they're running high on pride as well. And the Euros, who knows about the Euros as well? That could be another one. So maybe a good time to be an English sports fan on the whole. But now let's speak about the midfield. There's... there's ample that I want to discuss. There's just so, so much. So let's begin, Kunal. Let's let's actually speak firstly about the big winners and the big losers. Big winners today have to have to be Ferrari. Uh, I mean, in, a, in an absolute sense, considering where they qualified, but in a relative sense, they, they're sort of losing because McLaren just had their biggest weekend so far. And maybe they've just pushed out of that zone. Oh, who knows? Of course, we have to wait and watch, but still. I think Ferrari were massive, massive winners, I would say, because they, you know, after the French Grand Prix debacle that they had, they didn't know what would happen. And they've, they've actually turned both the Austrian Grand Prix into fairly decent race finishes. And Samuel, I'm beginning to wonder if Carlos Sainz is settled in so well into Ferrari that he is somewhere outclassing Charles Leclerc. He did that last weekend. This weekend, he ran a different strategy. He went in longer on the hards. He was the only one who started on the hards uh, in the top top 10, right? Yeah. And he went longer and he converted that. He, of course, benefited from a swap that Charles could, uh, you know, that Ferrari enabled. But he made the most of that swap and fresher rubber by overtaking Daniel Ricciardo as well. And mm. eventually, with Checo Perez's penalty, he actually finished ahead of Perez as well. So... All in all, you know, a fantastic uh, recovery by uh, Ferrari after their no-points finish at France, I would say. So they started the triple header on, on, on the back foot, but I would say that they've ended the triple header fairly well, Sommel, right? So that's, that's to do with Carlos yeah. Sainz. And then, you know, uh, Charles Leclerc, again, I think he was fairly racy, you know, when it came to the whole ghastly ricardo perez battle and it was fantastic oh, yes. to see him try and overtake those cars he he was quicker but he just couldn't find a way there that was superb if you have to watch some amazing racing from today uh, and it's uh, it's actually a good time to bring up this interesting topic as well the on-track battles and their implications of course it's tied into the midfield largely here today but seriously if you have to watch battles perez and charles leclerc the, the duo uh, that happened the, the double battle that happened in a way. Then, of course, uh, signs getting past. Uh, uh, signs getting past. Who was it in the end? Ah, totally gone blank. Signs went past. Then Ricciardo at the end. Yes. Ricciardo. I'm sorry. So totally sorry about that. And then, of course, Ricciardo's fight uh, in, in at some point later on in the midfield as well. That was superb. Then, of course, Alonso with George Russell. More on George Russell in a second in terms of the midfield implications, but. This was some superb on-track racing, and that's what we love to see. You love to see F1 races at times at least in the midfield, decided by some tremendous on-track action. And we got that eventually today. But big losers, Kunal, I cannot look anywhere beyond the team of Alpha Tauri because really, 
where they qualified, where they were on the first lap. This just has to be a big loss. And honestly, it was not just the pace. I saw, I was, I was constantly keeping an eye on their pace and that wasn't a major problem. It was just the strategy in hindsight just couldn't quite work for them. And, and had it done, who knows where Gasly and Sonona would be. They, they stopped at what, P5, P6 respectively when they went for the first pit stop. Yeah, you know, they, they were done in by the soft tires that they started the race on and they experienced higher degradation on that in their first stint. And they were planning to do a soft hard and hard and they had two new hards they had reserved for this. But of course, it didn't work out because by the time that happened, you know, they came up behind the guys who did a one-stopper. Uh, so it was it was just, you know, a case of wrong strategy that they did. So lots of teams actually, you know, did that. You know, uh, Alpha Tauri and Aston Martin, they used the softs to get into Q3, which meant that the, the, the not-so-preferred race tire was their starting tire. So that's what sort of mm. got them off, I would say. And uh, just, just you know, we mentioned Ferrari, just one note. Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. Sainz is just two points behind Leclerc in the wow. Drivers' Championship. And I think that is incredible because of all the drivers, and there are several of them who made a switch in 2021, uh, as we know. Sainz is the closest to his teammate than everyone else. Outstanding. Outstanding the way Carlos Sainz has been. And that, that's such a lovely explanation for what's happening with Alpha Tauri as well, right? Just basically had so much potential, got reeled in by the soft tyres. And it brings us on to the next big loser of today. Now, can you call him a loser in the eyes of many? Maybe not. But George Russell today, Kunal, that qualifying. Now, we don't often end up speaking about qualifying here today. And this also brings back another one of the questions that we had from Siddharth Shah about our, our thoughts on Seth's penalty in qualifying. But more on that in a second. But George Russell in qualifying, honestly, credit where it's due. Absolutely mind-boggling stuff. And even throughout the race, Kunal, he wasn't quite there in terms of the best pace, but he, he reeled his way in, took advantage of all the drama and all the chaos that was in there. But Fernando Alonso summed up perfectly when he said that if I wish that there was any other driver, in, I, I just wish there was any other driver apart from George Russell and Pete when I wanted to make that move. But he got it done eventually. Some outstanding battling towards the last eight, nine odd laps. But come on, you, you've got to feel for George Russell here this weekend. You have to, you know, he had fantastic qualifying. He made it on the medium tire and that's what pleased, you know, it was like, hey, I made it to Q3, but I made it on the medium. You know, that's what made it sweeter for him, I would say, right? And, you know, in the end, it was just Alonso who was quicker. It was great to see them battle. And for once, I was really hoping that, you know, George is able to keep him behind because to keep the mighty Fernando Alonso behind would have been an even bigger statement. It's like, hey, I scored points, but I scored points by keeping Fernando behind, you know? Yeah. But I guess he just has to wait because, you know, this is the third time in his career he's finished 11th, but he's made enough of a noise to 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 claim all of that Mercedes seat as he can possibly do so. So it's, but irrespective, you know, I mean, whether he gets the seat or no, I think George Russell was was brilliant. And, I know I, I, of course, in the previous point said that Carlos Sainz has been closest to Charles. And I know this is where Lucien will pounce onto me because without checking, I know Vettel is definitely ahead of Stroll and then Alonso is ahead of, <laughs> uh, Alonso is ahead of, uh, you know, Ocon as well. So yeah. uh, just, just putting that out there so that people don't think we are factually incorrect. 
Yeah, there's that as well. And, and speaking of George Russell as well, not just George Russell, he might go on to pastures new, but the Williams team, the, the crew members, the engineers, the factorymen, and women, of course, everyone has been through it for such a long time. Imagine what it could have been for them. There again, no, no point imagining. There's good signs. That's the main thing. That point may not be here, but it will come. You get a feeling they're knocking on that door very, very strongly. And that battle was just outstanding. Again, I said it the third time here today. I will keep on saying this if this episode goes longer. So bear with me with that one. But, but finally, Kunal, can we count Fernando Alonso and Alpine as a very big loser here? You know, uh, Fernando was pretty sure that they have a top five car at in Austria. And then when he qualified P14 because of being blocked by, you know, Sebastian Vettel, he was probably just undone by that, right? So it was, it was, uh, it was just that. I think maybe had he qualified up ahead, he would have been, uh, you know, he would have uh, been better off in the race as well. But to come back home with a point in, in itself is, is phenomenal because, you know, it's the Alpine, Ocon went off. And then, you know, to see him battle with George, like I just said, was, was really good. There was that. That was absolutely superb. That, uh, but one wonders what could have happened again. For Ocon as well, it's been a bit of bad luck. Uh, again, I was very confused seeing that sort of damage on the first lap. But that particular section of the car, very, very soft. That's for later on. But what is not soft, Kunal, is is basically the crash that happened on the last lap. I was just sitting there and wondering, okay, Raikkonen and Vettel have tangled. They're falling back down. So what's happened here? Have they taken each other into the gravel? What's this all about? But I never in my sane mind could have imagined that happening. And Raikkonen now has a couple of penalty points on his license. He's got, I think, a few places as a grid drop as well. Maybe he just lost concentration. Who knows? What did well, the dance screens again from Portugal? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think he, he the last time this happened was with George Russell, where he, of course, didn't spot Russell. Uh, mm. This time he didn't spot uh, Sebastian Vettel. I'm not trying to hint that he's old. I, I'm, I'm not a world <laughs> champion or even far from it. But, you know, I understand Kimi's having fun, but maybe it's time to ask if he is destroying his legacy of being the Iceman because it's okay to have crashes, but to have such silly ones as he did you know, where they called it a misunderstanding or, you know, one of them at least did. I was just like, why would you, why would this happen? Or when you're so out of the points anyway, right? So, and he's been, you know, getting out of Q3, Q1 in, in lots of these races. Antonio Giovinazzi seems to have his, to seems to have the measure of him finally in, in Formula One. So not the happiest with how Kimi's probably last season could be going, probably. Uh- you know, this, this is a bit of a casual one, but seriously, you know you've got the biggest Raikkonen fan, fan boy, fan girl basically in your house, right? You, you can't say that. It's Kimi Raikkonen. You can't I'm, say that. I'm glad the, the rooms are padded and, and the, the voice is not going out uh, live. It's something that Mithila will end up hearing probably, you know, a few hours after we push this episode out. But hey, I'm just saying the truth. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of probably 16 or 17 of the drivers on the grid. But that's the truth. It's it's disturbing to see how the Raikkonen legacy is just going off, you know. And, you know, we loved it when he made those 11 overtakes uh, last season. But at the same time, we got to call it when he's sort of going off just the way. Yeah. I think we should highlight Yuki Sonoda's penalty. Two five-second mm-hmm. time penalties for pit lane infractions. And, you know, it's it's like I was a little puzzled because... 
he's it's not that he's not driven here he's driven here in formula 3 in formula 2 so he knows this circuit he knows what that yeah. pit lane entry is like the pit lane entry hasn't changed whatsoever right then to for him to have done it twice probably means lapse of concentration or i, I don't know misju- misjudgment or whatever you call it just puzzling because it's not these kind of things that you would want a red bull junior to falter at you know especially the biggest project prodigy i'm sorry a prodigy at this moment in time i don't know it was a bit sad to see yuki losing out on so many potential positions because of that but let's see let's see what happens in that particular case but folks this was a bit of a long one this was a bit of a packed one and i hope you enjoyed this one 40 minutes the episode length but there was so much to do and i hope you enjoyed this journey with us folks thank you so much for watching and for listening to this episode and kunal Finally, we get a bit of a break, but once we come back, there is some fun stuff on the way. There is absolutely some fun stuff. It's good to have this long one. You know, that's what happens yeah. when you take the outside line. You're taking the longer line through ah, the corner. Ah, so smart. we've had the longer duration of this episode <laughs> as well. But thanks so much, Samil. And you know, see you guys uh, in in a few days. We've got a break, but you know, Samil and I will be here definitely with a guest. Maybe. Oh yes. Oh yes, watch out for that this weekend. But folks, until then, have your orange juices, have your orange martinis or mimosas or whatever. Just enjoy the orange here this weekend because this was a tremendous race weekend. See you, folks. Have a good time and see you until next time. Until next time. Until next time. Have a good weekend. Have a good weekend.